Welcome back to Shooting the Ishku with a Brit. I'm Jen. And I'm David. Hi, Jen. It's lovely hey. to see you. Thank you. With my new hair, it, as usual. Your new hair, we were just discussing before we got on, as regular listeners will know, Jen always surprises me with a new haircut. But this one is this one is very different to the last one, which was <laughs> short and blue. And this one is long and blonde. The fact that you call it a new haircut, that's so that's so so funny to me. A new hairstyle, yes. And this one is faux locks. David, not well, I don't know if you meant to be facetious, but you asked, is this all fake hair? Now, culturally, if you're black, you would definitely know this was fake hair. But he didn't know. So that is all that kind of almost always warms my heart because I think it's just such a, a funny question. But yes, I have some blonde faux locks. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. looks good. It suits you. Thank you. How are you yeah. doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back into this again. Um, and for the audience, um, Jen and I, we are we, we're, we're, we're going to jump into uh, after this episode, we're going to jump into the White Lotus. And we were we thought it'd be fun to play around with that and review that week by week, um, just like we did with um, Under the Banners of Heaven. But obviously, this will probably be a bit more fun than the last show. Um, but before that, we thought we'd have a little bit of a catch up, just shoot the issue a bit in general. We don't really have anything lined up. We're just kind of jumping on and, and just going to get into some subjects. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, and yeah, so um, lovely to be back. And, and thank you all for, for taking the time to listen as always. And we hope it's a bit of fun. Um, Jen, it's lovely to see you. We, we've caught up a couple of times in the last couple of months, but there's a, a lot has happened since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we've, we've probably got some fun stuff to talk about. And um, for me, I, I might even just jump into, you know, you're a missus now, you're a, you're a married woman. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we have mm-hmm. talked about that. Uh, we've talked mm-hmm. about different aspects of that and that transition. But um, I kind of, I'm, I'm curious now, kind of several months into being married, like, do you feel, do you feel any difference in the amount you love Ishmael and the amount you kind of uh, trust him and, and those kind of real fundamental parts of relationship like there's that, has that been bolstered as you've settled into being a married person? Yes. I am bolstered being the operative word. I felt this heightened sense of protection of my husband, protection of our marriage, uh, heightened sense of respect for my husband, respect for the marriage. Um, so, you know, when we talk about like us against the world, like it really is that. And, um, just in these few months, you know, we've experienced some, some things that have tried to like actually come against our marriage. And so for us to, uh, stand next to each other, um, when facing those things is like so important because, you know, things, uh, things happen, you know, there are new variables that are adding to it every day that both of y'all have to uh, stand firm against. So yeah, it's just a heightened sense of everything. Nothing new, just heightened sense. Yeah. And with, with that in mind though, that, that kind of dealing with those things that come up, have there been any other situations where you disagree on what the action should be taken? And, and if so, kind of how does that play out? Well, thankfully for us, we are in all kinds of therapy, individual and couple. So we are all therapied up here. So have we ever come to agree to disagree about anything? No. Um, Especially when it's something as serious as coming against our marriage, right? So for us, no. There's nothing that we've agreed to disagree on 
that's like a serious issue. Like we need to be on the same page with these things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. So, so can you, can you elaborate a bit on the therapy of both an individual therapy and couple therapy? Can you, can you share a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, today I had an individual therapy session and, um, you know, it was revealed to me or I revealed to myself or whatever, you know, what the, I don't know if the therapist did it or I, I don't know, I guess we, we both did it. Um, but I just learned about how my, uh, anxiety around disappointment is rooted in childhood and how I project that onto my husband, mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to certain things as small as cooking fried chicken. I gave this example, not rooted in like real life, um, but my therapist challenged me to uh, come up with an example of how I would deliver the message that maybe my husband wasn't doing something right. And so I use the example of fried chicken, like, okay, he's in the kitchen making fried chicken. And I see that maybe the oil is not hot enough. So the way that I would deliver that message, along with other things, I would look at the oil, then look at him. Then look at the oil, then look at him. And then he'd be like, well, what the hell is your problem? Then I look at the oil and I say, you know, that oil, it ain't hot enough. And so with that example, like we got into a whole thing in therapy, as you can imagine, about passive aggression, about, you know, not really sandwiching things, you know, providing a compliment, then getting to the concern, then a compliment or, um, you know, like that kind of thing. And so when I realized that I was doing that kind of thing, when expressing a concern I had or a conclusion I had with my husband, it made me think, oh my God, the way that uh, my childhood played into disappointment or my family trying to tell me about a mistake was very similar to that. Um, so, so yeah, so with that, uh, I'll finish up, yeah. That individual issue, uh, stemming back from childhood, definitely can spill into the marriage, right? So having individual therapy and couples therapy helps to um, explore those issues and helps us manage those things. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you uh, on that note, though. So, okay, brought you back to childhood and your family. And so, so with your family, just to be clear, when you were making a mistake or doing something wrong, there was kind of this subtle passive aggressive, like, you know, uh, or, or, and the reason I say that or preface it like that is, or actually were they being more deliberate about trying to make you critically think about something like alluding to something and then trying to make your brain process what the mistake is rather than kind of, you know, like te teach a man to fish, you know, that kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. You think that was what part I can of it? Um, I'm sure maybe that was the intention. What I can tell you is, you know, as a child, um, the things that I saw and didn't see were a message. So, for example, as a child, um, I, my name would come up when I did really well in school. Jen got really good grades. She was a part of the National Junior Honor Society. You know, she was a part of who's who list, all this kind of stuff. And the same thing went with my cousins. When their names were brought up, these accolades were attached. As a child, I never heard conversations around people's failures and mistakes, ever. 
So when my therapist asked me, well, what would happen if uh, you were allowed to make a mistake? I discovered that what I was afraid could happen is my name not being brought up, meaning that I would not be uh, talked about and, you know, acknowledged. And um yeah, yeah. So, well, I think my family had great intentions, right? Unfortunately for me, not talking about failures and how to overcome them and only focusing on success gave me uh, uh, anxiety about disappointing uh, my family, which then projects onto my husband, unfortunately, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and in all aspects of life, right? I think that's oh, yeah. one thing. One thing we all learn in our thirties is actually all the things that kind of affect us when we were kids are, are playing all these parts in in our adult lives that we have no sure. idea about, and and then we spend the rest of our lives, I'm assuming, unpacking all of them and and trying to trying to uh, make good of them, and and hopefully not in you know impart them on on, uh, on people that come after us. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. But well, that's interesting. Well, I'm glad to hear um, uh, it's all going well, especially the communication thing, because, you know, that, as we've talked about many times, as there's many people in the world, like communication is the root of most problems. And to have a good foundation for that, especially in a, in a marriage or romantic relationship, it's it's crucial. And, and um, I will say that my partner and I, we, we have um, a, re a really good dynamic that took some work getting into. Mm -hmm. um, and mainly from my side, I was just... I didn't really wasn't used to it. I was out of practice. I was resistant to it, just kind of talking about um, emotional stuff, big subjects and whatnot. And, and we've uh, had a really good journey of, of evolving that conversation. And now um, not only do we have those very regular conversations about different aspects, you know, some silly, some small, some big, um, you know, some about the world, whatever it might be. Um, it's just much easier. You know, a year ago, I um, to have a, a serious conversation it was like i had to prepare myself for it. i had to kind of set my the time aside and, and be ready for it whereas now it feels a lot more natural and easy just to talk about different things so um i guess that that's all to say that it's really that communication part of it was really for me was just accepting that uh one that, that there's a benefit to it and two uh kind of just working out those skills that skill set that i needed to to fill and, and and obviously a big part of it is trust right in in that who you're talking to and what you're talking about so um that's been that's been a really really fantastic evolution over the past year um and in this relationship in particular that's awesome that's awesome yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. i mean uh communicate as i say communities i have this uh hypothesis about uh the state of the world um and it's related to communication so so i'll bring it up now but um in the uh, 90s, like, the, you know, the late 20th, 20th century, um, the world was at the height of peace um, in history, right? Wait, and we when? Kind of, in, in, like, the late 20th century, like, the 1990s, like, the world was at the, I mean, basically one of the greatest periods of peace in history. And um, my hypothesis is that communication had uh, improved and evolved and technology had improved and evolved to a point where we were able to communicate internationally, you know, with people, uh, we, we had broken down language barriers, we'd broken down geographical barriers, we'd kind of found a really nice 
uh, way of communicating that led to this, right? That led to uh, avoiding disputes that would traditionally have been realized um, just by being able to talk to people in the right ways and understanding different ways to talk to people and cultural differences and so forth. So we can be more respectful, more patient with it, more tolerant, more understanding. And we just had the ability to do it with telephones, right? And, and whatever it may be and letters and so forth. We just got to a really good point in communication. Then the 21st century hits and the technology boom hits and the internet hits. And suddenly we've gone from this like moment of like the, the most peaceful time in history and this wonderful level of communication to tipping. So, so what it feels like to me is that we've tipped over on our ability to communicate and now we're over communicating and some specific examples for the individual, social media, Twitter, right? Everyone is able to have their opinion and spark fights and fires and whatever it might be at the drop of a hat. At the same time, there's a lot of pride on the line with, with the way that information is shared these days and communicate and whatnot. So for example, a politician makes a mistake, it's in the news and everyone knows about it around the world in a heartbeat, right? 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. So there's so much more online on, on, on the line these days and it's so much easier to communicate things around the world and we're over communicating and now we're in this place where, um, you know, there's a huge polarization, there's division, there's all these huge big topics which have always been around, but now everyone is able to kind of jump into the mix and it's it's becoming more and more polarized. This, this country is just a great example, but the world stage even more so. And obviously now we have a war going on in the world, which hasn't happened since the Second World War, right? We kind of post the Second World War, we haven't had anything like this kind of war. Um, obviously there have been you know, Vietnam War and so forth, but this just feels uh, very different. This is this is a power grab, right? This is a land grab from a country as opposed to, and I'm doing air quotes for the audience, kind of going in and solving a problem, right? Which, you know, America loves to try and do, or at least say they're trying to do, um, but this, this is very different. So anyway, my hypothesis is that we're at the point where we're over communicating and um, how we draw back from that, I don't think it's possible. It's gonna be like a bit of a correction over the next, decades whatever it might be um i don't know what your thoughts are about that if this you think there's any truth to that i got a question so you're how are you defining peace no war uh no necessarily no i mean as little war as possible right like the lowest amount of war lowest amount of conflict in the world and this isn't my definition this is like a uh, and i actually remember this from when i was in the like 20th century, I guess, in the 90s and early 2000s, like it was discussed as being kind of the height of peace. And I looked, I looked up on it uh, mm. recently, and 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 that is the case. Like it's there was a period of like 250 years, uh, kind of towards the end of the Roman Empire, which was relatively, you know, it was was actually I think this cast as the longest period of peace in history, um, and and which would make sense considering we're only like 70 years past the Second World War. But but this like we were just at that point where the world stage in general there was much less conflict, but also much less threat of it, right? Like even after the Cold War, like the threat of conflict, like the idea of a country invading another country these days, you know, before Russia invaded Ukraine was just, it was unthinkable. Like it just wasn't, it's not the culture of the world these days. So, you know, Putin make, making that choice was was much bigger uh, on many, big on many different, different facets. Okay. And you think that because of, people's engagement with social media has led to over communication which has led to war 
No, 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 no. Those things aren't necessarily related. Um, I'm sure they're tangentially related to some extent. That's just the, the social media is one example of over communication. Right. And again, there's other ways we over communicate. Um, even I would even say hacking and the ability to hack and whatnot and kind of get into get into uh, behind the firewalls of societies. Right. Like America, Russia, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And, and those kind of advancements in technology, like it's just, that's all communication in its own way. Um, and even the media, right? Like the way the media reports these days, we all know there's uh, a lot of problems with the media. And I know, uh, example, another example, um, John Oliver's recent episode, he's talking about crime reporting and the communication there. One example I'll pull from that, which is kind of related to this is when uh, a crime happens, um, the the police officer or the the representative for the police department releases a statement saying this is what happened that statement then for the most part when it's when it's communicated around the world is translate is communicated almost verbatim so this happened this happened this happened but obviously that communication is completely based on the police's opinion or preference of how the the reality of the situation unfolded and as mm-hmm. we know from many experiences over the part recent history let alone you know in time the police don't always tell the truth right <laughs> so mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. like that even that level of communication that's still the form and it's just one from one single press release for example the, the george floyd murder when when they shared that with the news it was a the guy had a medical incident that was how they presented it so that was mm-hmm. how it was reported as opposed to the reality and it, we wouldn't have known any different Again, to add another form of communication, uh, if, if that young girl hadn't videoed the whole thing, we wouldn't have known the reality of the situation because we'd have just heard what the police had to say. So the, the reason I say that one is, again, it's just the police report being pushed out to, new, to the media mm-hmm. and the media almost verbatim commu- over communicating it super fast. So or it becomes a reality, even if it isn't reality. And that's the case with every police report that gets reported on in the media. Okay. You know, they don't have, there's so much going on. The media doesn't have time to check all the sources, right? When you're kind of trying to get news out there right away, like you're going from the, I'm doing air quotes again, the most reliable source, which is the police report. Okay. I think I'm lost because I'm stuck on the word over communication. And so mm-hmm. as you're talking, I'm trying to put two and two together. Over communication, meaning like they're presenting too many facts about something okay i'm going to draw it back to the individual right so even if you think about uh, a romantic relationship um 20 years ago if you were in a relationship with someone you didn't speak to them all day every day right you didn't you didn't kind of you didn't text all day back and forth you didn't like make arrangements you're like i'll be home for dinner and that's it, right? And and there was it was a sim a simpler way of communicating in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Now and again, this isn't this isn't true for everyone, right? Everyone, like for example, uh, my partner and I, we have a great dynamic with that. Like we're very in tune with how we mm-hmm. communicate and whatnot. But a lot of people don't, right? And and I mean, I'm someone who likes to communicate and just kind of just check in and whatever's going on. So if you kind of with the wrong dynamic there, it can cause a lot of problems, right? If if you're not communicating the right way, and it's so easy to communicate now with a partner and you kind of, for me, I've definitely over communicated in the past. Meaning which, you which talk, cause friction. Are, you, are you saying you talk too much? More too many text messages, whatever it might be. And it's not like it necessarily talking for negative reasons. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. That's one example of it is just that's what I'm communicating hearing. that way. 
talking too much, the frequency of talking is too much. That's what you're saying. As an example, as an example of, of over communicating. So for me, I, I just need to clearly understand the definition so I can understand the relationship here. You know? Sure. So if it's talking too much that, Mm-hmm. that compared to the early 90s we mm-hmm. have over communication but then can't we say that if we compare the 1940s to the 1990s the 1990s would be over communication you know so i hear Again, you this but is a I'm, hypothesis I'm, right I'm a, yes but i i can't even yeah. get to the hypotheses because I don't, I don't understand the depth. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand if it's well, talking uh, Let me give you much. another example. <laughs> let, let me give, again, there's, okay. there's all these different, different ways to think about it. So I'll give you the example of work, right? 20 years ago, again, you'd go to work, you'd do your job and you'd go home and you'd have your dinner, you do whatever in the evening. And then next morning you'd go to work, having not thought about work, right? You, maybe you've taken some files home with you to do it, whatever. Now, when you leave work or the weekend, whatever it might be, it's so easy to email and to text and to chase yes. people and, yes. and it's extending. So, so, so that over communication, for example, is, uh, and, I, and I'll use a personal example, that over communication, over stimulation can, can detract from an individual's life because you feel trapped and, and uh, there's just too much of your work in your general day to day life. Like you want to kind of go home or at least I I believe most people do and forget about work, but you can't do that these days. Or again, it's you can, again, it's not for every situation, Mm -hmm. but in general, like the access is there, right? It's so easy for people to be chasing and like, Oh, Hey, I'm emailing you at 11 PM tonight. We've got this important thing for tomorrow. And it's kind of, it just puts a lot of pressure on people um, in general. Uh, And again, that's just another example of just Mm -hmm. too much communication. So before, phones and internet and whatnot we didn't have to deal with that it was we were limited to how much we could communicate got it so too much communication leads to what's the conclusion war i mean no, not it, peace. War's just war's an example of what's happening right now a conflict in general is what i'd say so so war is an extreme example of it but i'd say even okay here's, here's just a very simple example romantic or friendship whatever it is text messages so it's not necessarily just over it's it's the form of communication and emails and text messages written right i think you'll you'll probably agree uh you can read an email in a good mood and Mm -hmm. it will sound nice you read an email in a bad mood and it can sound shitty Mm -hmm. right so so even just how again those the differences in communication styles we each have because we all have very different communication styles and again i think it's becoming more diverse because the world's becoming more diverse in so many different ways it that can cause conflict in itself so you know i send that you send a text message to your partner and it may come across short or make and you know it causes friction in people like all these little additions to communication are just causing a, a, a again not in every case um, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of additional conflict that comes with the advantage it's just like it's like we're kind of boiling up because it's like there's no there's no there's no cap on it anymore there's okay. no limit to it right and and that's and like we uh, okay let me jump onto another subject or something that we just experienced which or kind just of, hold, wait uh, so are you what's the conclusion are you saying over communication leads to angrier people or because okay for example if i'm communicating about my niece's birthday party and mm-hmm. i'm like 
we're going to have a SpongeBob theme birthday party. And uh, everybody, I want you to bring a SpongeBob themed gift. And so I'm letting people know via email, via text, via whatever. Are you saying that? Like all those different ways of communication will lead to con- to more conflict. No, but I'll give you. I'll, I can break down that example where I, it would be a problem. So uh, that's to me what you've just explained is an advantage of the technology we have right now and the, and the ways we can communicate. In that, mm. I have I have a party going on. This is the theme. These are the details. Instead of calling everyone around, right? You're just sending out an email saying these are the details. I'll see you all then. This is what you need to bring. That's it. That to over communicate might be if you were a bit of a neurotic person or a parallel person or like anxious person, you might send that email and mm-hmm. then not get responses from people. And suddenly you're like, hey, you all need to respond to this, right? You need to do this and getting anxious about it, which makes the other people anxious because they're like, oh God. And then, and then another email follows up saying, oh, by the way, um, you know, this and this and this and this and be conscious of this. And it can start breeding anxiety in people and even resistance potentially Got to it. going to the party, knowing that that's the tone you're going in. But if Got you it. send a simple email, this is the plan, this is the organization, great, that's lovely. That's not over-communicating. That's just using the technology to your advantage. But if you start getting anxious, start kind of, you know, sending 10 emails to say one thing. To me, that's over-communicating, right? adding and adding and adding and adding, I like see. compounding I and see, compounding on top of it. Okay. I see what you mean now. I see. And I do interpret that as talking too much. Um, So what's the conclusion? So that leads to what? Well, I guess I'll tell you what, I'll I'll answer in a different way in that what the personal conclusion for me is. And Mm -hmm. and I'll tie it in with a recent experience that my partner and I just had. We just went to uh, Idlewild in in, uh, just west of uh, of Los Angeles. It's like a a mountain town range, um, like beautiful forests and trees and mountains it's absolutely lovely but what the reason we went for a week was to uh have no technology so we cut out phones and we cut out uh computers and we cut out all of that communication that we're so used to these days um and this leads me on to a second advantage of like reducing the communication or a or the disadvantage of having too much of it and having access to all this information on your phone and whatnot, which by the way, is again, the communication, right? It's it's there in your phone. Oh, who's the actor on this movie? Who's this, whatever it is. It's like, it's there, they're there. You're constantly picking it up. So we wanted to go and disconnect. And the biggest thing that I, uh, the two biggest things that I've kind of walked away from that week from, one is that just, I have been so attached to my phone, like we all are. And since coming back, my use of my phone, I think is probably about 20% of what it was before. Uh, granted, I'm not working now, so that gives me a bit more space away from it. So that really helps. But the 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 negative I realized is um, I'm I'm a very creative person. I want to do artwork all the time. I want to read more. I want to get into write more. I want to do more of this stuff. My phone and the communication, all the access to all the stuff for many years has distracted me from doing a lot of that stuff. It's one of the things, right? It's not the only thing, but it's one of the things. So now coming back from that trip and having that realization, that kind of dynamic, and then also separating from my phone more, I am every single day, like I'm filling every hour, every moment I can being creative or doing something productive. Whereas historically, I'd have five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, I'd be scrolling on my phone, right? And that again, just taking in all that communication, that over communication, there's just so much information. And you think about, or I think about like, you know, the 
we're supposed to have eight hours of sleep every night, seven hours of sleep, and it's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be clear. To me, thinking about like how how does anyone these days, with all the knowledge and all the information we have, have a clear night's sleep? Like, unless you have some amazing method to kind of completely well, clear do. your mind. That, that yeah. has never been an issue. Let me hear it. I'd love to, I'd love a lot to hear of people, about it. It's just always been a practice since I was a baby, so I have nothing for okay. you. Okay. Well, tell me, what's the, like, you just you can just go and you just don't yes. dream, you don't think about yes. anything. Yes, my That's mother amazing. told my husband, two things you do not mess with uh, Jennifer about, <laughs> that is her food and her sleep. So I'm guaranteed every night to get eight hours. 99.8% wow. of my life, I have gotten a good sleep. So I am the exception. So I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and just for you, I, I sleep relatively well. I, you know, I have my different methods and my different self-care and whatnot that I feel good about. But, you know, there's just so much going on in our minds these days. There's so much we have to think about. Everything's so much more complicated. Um, it just It just feels like there's just too much of it now like our physical bodies including our brains are only x amount of thousands of years old and evolution works over millions of years right so our bodies have have not evolved that much uh, in those thousands of years but our technology our our all the things that we use on the database has evolved massively like we're looking into the deepest darkest depths of the universe and understanding it better like we're understanding the brain a little bit better, um, but slowly but surely. But all these different things um, that we just didn't have any idea about before. But it's just there's just so much of it now that our our unevolved bodies and brains like it's just overwhelming for I think for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. it's also why self care has become even more prevalent because it's just so much more needed than it ever was. For sure, for sure. And I think uh, there's definitely a relationship between self-care and technology. That's worth talking mm -hmm. about. And while you use the words, my phone distracted me, we have to acknowledge that uh, it needs to be the other way around. You know, I was distracted by my phone. You know what I mean? Right. Or I allowed myself to be distracted by the phone because the phone can't force you to do anything. So I think um, we're all trying to learn how to um, have a better relationship with technology, you know, and acknowledging our role in how we're allowing these devices to take up X amount of time. Um, and I, mm -hmm. I agree with that, but that's that's our generation, right? We, we're kind of the last generation that grew up without cell phones. You know, teenagers, yeah, you start getting right. cell phones and whatnot. That's correct. Think about kids growing up now, you know, two, three years old, they're on a tablet. They're on a phone. Like, what, what, what do you think? What? How do you think that's going to unravel in the next decades, several decades? Unravel? I, I don't want to focus on the negative. Right? Let me focus on the positive and then maybe go to a con. Um, yeah. My nephew, Kai um who was on the show um was able to navigate a phone at six months old it was crazy mm -hmm. okay before he could even talk he knew how to like unlock the screen by sliding it up and then at least recognizing little um icons and knowing when you press it something cool pops up right and mm -hmm. so over the years he'll be 10 in uh november november 28th that's all he knows you know when he and my niece Nyla were here um, in New York this past spring break, Kai just wanted to be on the tablet. I had to break him out of that. And he got so upset sometimes because his um, 
practice has been, you know, when he's not going to school, is to call his cousin Brielle, who's, Brielle has to be the same age as him, maybe a year older, call his cousin Brielle in the morning on the tablet while they're playing a game, okay? They're just playing a game for hours, okay? And she's the last person he talks to at night while they're playing the game. Um, so while it's great that he knows how to navigate this technology that can help him build something really great one day, you know what I mean? Like his own business, whatever it is, the con of it to your question, how is this going to unravel? I, well, this is interesting because he is a social little boy too. He has a lot of friends, friends his age, older friends, but, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it could be a little difficult as he's becoming a teenager i don't know i don't know because there's some i don't know there's some teenagers that that grow out of it or maybe they become gamers or something you know i don't know so a concern i guess is um what is the concern like um maybe there could be some social some sort of social interaction holes there i don't really see that with him but possibly maybe i don't know um yeah i mean what do you think um uh, to be honest i don't know is 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 a pretty safe answer because i think there's so many variables that are going to affect and i think um environments are going to really affect people and how how much time they spend on it and whatnot um but but you know then if you if you kind of want to if we want to jump ahead a bit you think about the metaverse and and uh, i to me it's obvious that it will become a success at some point and and then you start getting uh, people living inside the metaverse, which is very viable, especially with the, a world in which we, at our phone, we can order food and we can order everything to our door. We don't need to leave the houses, you know, kind of building social activity on, on, on that, you know, being able to have education, being able to go to school, being able to go to work in the metaverse, whatever it might be. That just, that feels like where we're heading. Um, you know, anyone who's watched Wally, right? It's like, it's like, that's, it, it just one of the most when I know when I watch that movie, I'm like, yeah, that feels about right. Like that really feels like like what it's going to be like in the future. And that was way before any of this stuff was really surfacing. Um, so I, I, the short answer is I don't know. You know, it's it's there's I think 20 years ago, there were a handful of big, big subjects that we can kind of all be somewhat versed on and be interested in and think about and whatnot. Now, there's so many big subjects, big, big controversial fundamental world-changing subjects which are just could be could be save the world or could destroy the world and we're at a point though now where it, it's it, it's in the eye of the beholder right it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of who's who's at the steering wheel you know who's driving the car that's that's what matters it doesn't matter what the car is it just it just depends who's steering it and who's driving it and and so it's more and more more so than ever I think the responsibility of a parent to educate their child, I think it's just becoming more and more important, that responsibility. I think what we have seen in terms of, of a concern has been bullying online. So right. to your point about over-communication, you know, being able to um, sort of indulge in evil behavior you know what i mean in so many different ways and that includes bullying 
on social media. And so we've seen that in the news, you know, where little children, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, will experience that kind of bullying. And because of their little brains, you know, they're very weak-minded. You know what I mean? They're very vulnerable. And unfortunately, that can lead to little babies like that taking their own lives. You know what I'm saying? So that's a concern. That's a concern that the things that play out in school, in real school, could continue. You know what I mean? Online, spill out into real life, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that popped into my head. I mean, you've got to assume it will, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's to some extent, it's, yeah. it's, just, again, mm -hmm. it's just human nature, which is, sure. which is another big part of this, right? Like, human nature, we're not all the same. There's, there's a spectrum yeah. of... of good yeah, to evil yeah. right and that's all subjective of course as well um, but everyone is different the liability every individual on this planet is a liability in their own right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you mm. know we we can all make we all we all make different choices and decisions every day and some and some of those choices and decisions in our lifetime will will be notable for ourselves and for other people and for the world and and often we don't know how we're going to deal with those uh events I, actually i'll give a uh, this is kind of moving on to a different subject but i had recently on the previous season before we did the, the under the banner review um we had talked about um i'd given some stories about uh growing up in the industry and and kind of experiencing bad behavior right bad culture bad people and whatnot and and i'd said in that in that time we talked about that this i've always had this uh sense of you know if and when i'm in uh, you know positions of power or like i can speak up about certain things i will do so right that's going to be my thing and i recently had um uh, an experience which i can't really go into too much but it was a real integrity check it was like it was it was a moment of okay i need to kind of step up here regardless of you know knowing that the repercussions for me would be negative um but it was important to um lean into it and and for me it was it was important to kind of forget about what the loss to me would be and stand up for what I thought was the right situation and the mm -hmm. right, the right path forward. Um, and, and I, I, it was quite a relief to me, honestly, that, that going through that process, it was very easy to stick to my, um, to my, uh, my plan, right. To stick to my belief and stick to my, what I told myself for years, it was like a real test of integrity for me of like, okay, am I going to step up and really just, you know, put my money where my mouth is? Or am I just going to just say, hey, actually, you know, I, I've got a pretty good situation here. I'm just going to muddle through and just to get on with it. That, that I, There wasn't a moment where that was a, a viable option for me. It was very much, you know, this is, I don't think this is right. Uh, I, I'm going to step in and, and try and fix it and, uh, and solve it or aid it or whatever it might be. Um, and it didn't end up, you know, it didn't work out well for me uh as an individual um i mean it's fine it's all manageable and, and it's actually worked out much better for me in the long run and in the short run um but it was it was still a, a big decision and a big moment and it was just quite a relief that um yeah i kind of stuck to my guns and I, you know i feel very good about that it was it was a good moment was there any reluctance from me mm-hmm no, it was, it was, you know, uh, I was very much like, you know, uh, um, it kind of built to a crescendo and, um, I had made efforts along the way to kind of deal with it when it was less of an issue. 
um and, and then it just kind of just kept building and, and then i just had to kind of jump in and you know and and just kind of put myself forward and put myself out there um to try and rectify it because it kind of got past a certain point so we're not reluctance just but there were different methods tried along the way to deal with it um before it became a bigger problem and then you know at that point when it became like a one way or another it was there was no reluctance mm-hmm. what can you share from that honestly not much just, okay. not, not much yeah really not much unfortunately uh, <laughs> so right. sorry <laughs> I, I don't have much follow-up questions then because all right but yeah. i'm glad that you yeah. did what you feel was right so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um very good all right um let me i might uh we kind of touched a bit on a couple of different subjects but anxiety right which we all deal with in different ways i'm curious like what what's your method for dealing with anxiety these days like you must you know as we grow older we kind of get more tools skill sets and might be just self-care in general or whatever it might be um do you have any methods or maybe it's just a natural thing you don't think about well i mean in my therapy session today as i talked about having anxiety Mm -hmm. related to disappointment it's just um I don't know. Now that I know that I have that, it's just talking it through and trying to figure out some tools on how to like deal with it. Do we identify any tools? Um, uh, one of the tools is just right now, um, take hope, praying to be aware of what's going on and then like being in the moment, be like, okay, this is what's going on. And just sort of acknowledging it. That's one tool. Um, what else do I have anxiety about? Anxiety? Um, uh, for example, you know, I, I like to go walking. I like to go to yoga and all those different things. Okay. Um, they, they, they help me deal with my anxiety. See, I walk, but it's not because of anxiety. It's because I need to get my body stimulated. So... I cannot think of any uh, anything else that uh, gives me anxiety. Any any mm-hmm. any ways you deal with anxiety? You mean yeah? It's just kind of yeah. you just it's just a general a general for you. You just kind of it's subconscious. You're not so uh, yeah. I mean, what, the reason I asked that question was I was kind of trying to see if what different tools you had. But what is it even more interesting to me is that you don't necessarily have tools that you're like oh i'm i'm anxious right i'm feeling this right now this is what i'm going to do to kind of pull myself out of it no there you don't have is like that. there is and this also went to a therapy session um same tool i have to be aware just being aware of what's going on um mm-hmm. yeah that's it what about you yeah I mean, I have lots actually. I do a lot of self-care. We talked about in the past, but for me, the walking and yoga are, are huge ones. Um, marijuana, you know, I, I can see marijuana, which is which is also great, um, and it's particularly wonderful because you can dose, right? It's so easy to kind of get a, a weaker or a stronger or a, you know different kinds of highs and doses and whatever, and it could be edibles, it could be smoking, and so that's really great because um, over the years, what, I've kind what of do you have out. anxiety about? that's relatable. Um, uh, let me see. I mean, I guess uh, I think one of the realizations of the years is that you kind of have anxiety about most things, whether you realize it or not, right? Whether it's 
Um, You're being vague. Uh, what are you? No, no, I, I'm going to get into the details. No, <laughs> okay. no, I am. I'm getting going to get into the details on that one. Um, but I have anxiety about. We'll start with the common things, you know, about money, about the future, about the state of the world, about the the risks that are facing us, about COVID, about oh my animals, you know, about about relationships, about your mm -hmm. family, and about work, and about about you know oh driving somewhere in in terrible traffic with terrible drivers right there's all these things that every single day we have to deal with and contend with and um it breeds anxiety uh like for me even it, it might even be uh or at least i know if i haven't exercised if i haven't been walking i haven't been going to yoga mm -hmm. i'm more anxious because i haven't had that time to have that mental break and just kind of reflect on different things or process things um it makes me more anxious when i when i am unable to have time to reflect on things and really work, work through them um i have different ways of doing that um yeah i mean you know right, right now i'm unemployed um but it's it's actually an amazing moment right now because i'm unemployed and you know i need to find a job relatively soon but I kind of have a little bit of a window where I know I don't have to work. You know, I can't, I'm, I'm very lucky that I can take a, a minute, you know, a month or whatever it might be to really work it out, which is what I've been doing. And I'm kind of working on that pivot right now as to where I'm going to be going or what I'd like to do next. Um, but that's, you know, that I think that anxiety will increase. Like if I haven't got a job in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, that job, that anxiety will gradually increase because, I'm spending money during that time and I'm not making more money, right? So now I'm not anxious about it. I feel good about it. I feel comfortable doing what I'm doing. Four weeks time, I'll be more anxious about it. You know, so um, yeah, it's just every, everything that, everything we do, I mean, the, the, the line between anxiety and excitement is very fine as we know. Um, so, so on that, using yes. that example, I'm very excited about finding a new job and finding the right role for me and kind of what I want to get into. But as time goes on, that excitement will switch over to anxiety when I'm not finding it as soon as I'd like to find it or finding the right job, right? And different things like that. When you listed off all those things, it actually made me think about two big ones that I do have anxiety about. Um, and But I use the same tool of like being aware like of what's going on. Um, one is when I need to talk to my husband about something. I get a lot of anxiety about that. And then um, crossing the street. I don't know what the hell that is, but it just scares the hell out of me. And I literally, I could have looked both ways five times. And while I'm walking across the street, I still look both, like I don't know what that is. It could be a one way street. And I'll still look both ways. Um, yes, those two things give me a lot of anxiety. With the street crossing, though, although I'm, like, aware, like, okay, I look, no cars are coming. I continue to move forward. I don't freeze or anything, but I am, like, oh, my God, is it going to be, like, final destination? You know what I mean? Where something just comes out of nowhere. And then when I need to talk to my husband about something... It's just more, why do I even have anxiety? Well, probably because I know it is about to like start a conflict, not a fight. But, you know, people are, he's going to have an opinion about what I have to say. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So would you, so uh, with that with the, that one that you're kind of talking to your, to your husband, um, 
do you how do you deal with that like when you know that's coming up like do you have a method to deal with that and to ease that anxiety is no. it getting easier over time just as you build the trust and you build like those conversations you get more used to it that's what's interesting no it hasn't gotten better it has not gotten okay better. hasn't gotten worse but it has not gotten better i still have the anxiety for sure but that's rooted in uh that's definitely rooted in something else in my childhood for sure you know mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just being aware again but moving forward like i never not do something because i'm anxious like that's not my response at all it's still right. still move forward man and well, that, and the reaction correct. it literally manifests because I start I start sweating like really bad under my my pits like I'm you know like it's crazy like the level like I just get uh, yeah yep mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense um, it makes a it makes a lot of sense um, well um, well thank you for sharing that that's uh, that that's very interesting um, yeah I'm sure it'll get better over time. Um, but what, what I will say is you kind of had mentioned before how for you, it's about uh, kind of building awareness around something that's giving you anxiety, right? Kind of mm-hmm. taking it in, assessing the situation, like this mm-hmm. is the reality. And that's something I do in a similar way. It's, it's like it's it's awareness and then it's accepting the reality of yeah. what's happening. Yeah. And, and it really helps yeah. kind of balance anxiety. It's like you, you, for me, it's always been a case of I have to deal with it anyway. So there's no point worrying about it and stressing about it. And that over the years, it took a long time. It's really helped me to, to get less anxious about certain things and just kind of run through the motions and, uh, and deal with them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But there's, but there's still times when you get caught off guard. I know I do. And suddenly it's like, Oh my God, I'm so anxious and, you know, panicking, running around yes. like, Oh, we have like a very limited time to deal with this. And it's going to, this, these are the repercussions if we don't manage to do it and whatnot. Uh, and that's personal and professional life. And that can be can be difficult in those moments, especially, for example, if you're with a partner, you're doing something with someone else. It can, and I know for me, like I can definitely in those, I can get a bit like anxious in those moments and, it, and it's kind of difficult to, to manage me in that. And I'm getting better at it because I'm aware of it and I'm trying to kind of find better ways to deal with it. Um, but it's, it's a lot of work because these things are ingrained in us. And as you said several times, it's all childhood, right? It's all kind of growing up and growing and learning how to to do these things and um yeah it's it's difficult to untrain yourself for sure mm-hmm. yeah very good um all right what, what else is going on with you there anything else you want to kind of talk about right now that's that's floating at the top of your psyche no nothing that's it what about what, you what about what about well what about work tell me about work a bit what what are you up to these days like what's what's your um, you're doing several things i'd love to hear more about more about yeah. those yeah um well my 9 to 5 i am executive producing uh, a podcast called Toray Show, which is hosted by acclaimed journalist Toray. And we, well, he gets a chance to like talk to amazing change makers in the industry, black people only, uh, whether they are like authors, millionaires, celebrities. Um, so people we've had on the show that I'm really proud that I was able to book, even though booking is not a part of my job description. Okay. But I was able, <laughs> I was able to like get Brent Fias, who's a big deal. Joey Badass was a big deal. Denzel Curry's a big deal. Um, and it's just been really great. Like I really enjoy producing. Like I love putting stuff together and the administrative aspect of putting 
something together. Um, so I've learned a lot there. I learned about this app, Riverside, which was fantastic. Learned about, I've just really sharpened my editorial um, skills. Um, yeah, and using all these different skills for my own business and this my own podcast with you so that's always the best when you have a nine to five and you're like i'm learning all this stuff for myself you know um so black owned productions we are done with like our first show that we produce for black oak tv second show we're doing right now is called the why also a docuseries and it's where we get people together and they talk about the provocative choices they've made in their life and it has like an element where they take a drink of something if they agree with a reason as to why they did something so for example in our why did i cheat episode we had people agree or disagree with uh researched um reasons as to why people cheated you know so we've done that one we've done why was i suicidal which was really powerful um and just getting all these beautiful black people together to talk about these provocative choices is going to be re like really helpful to our community um so anyway those are the two things that i that i want to share and it's been really great it's been wonderful where can uh, one access the the product the the docu series that you're producing? So unfortunately, Black Oak TV is not giving it like a premiere date yet. So the one that we're done and delivered with, Black Oak TV has that one. Have not set the premiere date yet. They will let us know. The second one we're doing, obviously, it's not done yet. Um, but whenever we, you know, know when those things are going to be premiered, I'll definitely talk about it on here. And, and is it, do, do you watch it on Black Oak TV on their website? Black Oak TV, yes. Um, okay. But again, that it needs to be premiered on their site, you know. So whenever it does get a premiere date, it'll be on their site, which is subscription-based. But the way that they want to bring people to their subscription base is to, like, put a few episodes on YouTube. So again, when we know that information, I'll definitely talk about it on here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Well, I, I look forward to that. Look forward to that a lot. Um, um, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is great. I'm loving it. And uh, I love seeing uh, you kind of thriving on things that just make you happy and learning and growing. So, and on, on that you. note, I'm going to follow on from actually learning, right? Learning has been a last couple of years has been a big thing for me in the sense that I, oh, I've wanted to learn all these things for such a long time. Why aren't I doing it? And I'm even now just getting more and more in tune with that and really just delving into learning and understanding different things. Um, is there anything that you're learning right now that you're kind of trying to hone those skills and improve? Mm -hmm. Editorial judgment. Um, so for example, when we have a guest on, uh, particularly who's really boring, which we had, she's actually a big name, but was a terrible interview. It was unbelievable. Like I was so upset and Teray was doing his best. Like, after that interview, I went into the studio and I said, bravo, because you did a great job in that circus, okay? You were juggling, you were ice skating, you were doing all the tricks, and that woman still didn't give you anything. So having editorial judgment, like meaning being able to pull clips so that um, they could be titillating enough to get people to listen to the episode is a skill that I really value. So I've been able to do it, especially when we have, like, it's so easy 
when um, they, we have guests who give you so much. Even in that, there's a skill to like know which one was really going to take off. But anyway, in the not so easy interviews, um, I love the challenge of being able to pull out something, you know, that we can work with. So that's a skill that I've, that I'm continuing to like hone in on, um, which I guess is a part of the marketing aspect too. Say marketing, um, yeah. Yeah. Keywords I really love as well, which is a part of the marketing aspect. So we had somebody on, uh, Javon McCormick, who's a multimillionaire sharing tips and stuff. Now he's not somebody who's big, like namesake, but he is a multimillionaire, right? So understanding that, okay, his name might not bring off, but the fact that he's talking about how to negotiate a salary is important. Mm -hmm. So if you put in the keyword, mm -hmm. how to negotiate a salary, people are going to watch that versus focusing on Javon McCormick, the name, right? So I love that. I love, um, I do like the booking aspect, even though I'm not a professional booker, the show has one, but the fact that people are even like responding to me, I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. Okay. And so knowing what to say, you know, when pitching your show, like I, I love that aspect, which is part of the writing part. And then lastly, what I'll say is I love in a way managing Teray. Like Teray is a person who is in his early fifties, doesn't look like it at all. Ha, is very well known in the world of journalism and particularly with interviewing people and he can be very particular and very headstrong about stuff and so even though I've been brought onto the team to bring a a younger demographic I'm 38 but younger meaning under 35 under 30 right um and I've been successful at doing that he knows that logically but because he's been so stuck in getting the 50 plus, which in their own right, they are legends and that's amazing. But what I'm supposed to do is increase listenership, right? By adding new listeners, new demographic. So having to, for example, um, argue my point about a Brent Fias who is amazing, but he don't know that. That was very interesting because I'm like, he should know about this person. And the fact that I have to like keep my case about this person was wild to me, but I did it. And because of that, the videos for Brent Fires are now in like their top five or top 10 videos on YouTube. And the listenership on that was incredible, you know? So I love those sort of wins and I'm just realizing, damn, like I'm really like good at this. That's amazing. That's really nice to see, uh, as I say, you thriving in, in all of that evolution of yourself. That's, that's fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Is there any anything, um, obviously you have a lot going on right now, clearly, a lot you're focusing on. Is there anything that you're kind of looking to the future, thinking I'd love to get into this a bit more and learn more about this and develop those skills? Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I want to, I want to, do I? I want to develop my writing, as you know, I have a idea for this, for this cult experience I was in. And so it's on the mm -hmm. shelf and I'm just like, damn, I want this to be done. Like, this is the only scripted thing I ever want to do in my life. Okay. I think I told you, I just want a Seinfeld and that's it. Like, just leave me alone with my unscripted, but this story has to be told and it just has to be told in a scripted way so i would like to i would like that to be a thing i would like that to be a thing mm -hmm. 
that's that's a that's a great aspiration uh, and i'm very yeah. similar in that way um very cool all right good what about and you then, sir? So it's on me um well i'm going for a bit of a transition um uh for those that don't know i, I kind of i spent 15 years working in physical production for film and television um working on live action movies and television series and um i'll, I'll go back quickly but when i went to uh, when I applied for college in England, um, the course I applied for was film, television and animation production. And the idea was you're going to go and learn about all of those things practically and just kind of get on with it. And super interesting to me. I wanted I was interested in all three of those things. The year I started and actually after I'd applied, the, the university, um, the arts university decided to separate those courses, which made a lot of sense, you know, for sure. Um, and there's just, there was just animation and then there was film and TV production. So I went to film and TV production, which interested me much more at the time. Um, and obviously still interests me. And when I went for my interview, um, I, you know, the guy who was this guy who I think he like left the same year I joined, cause he was a bit of a drunk and, you know, had been kind of running that that game for a while and was just a bit tired of it and whatever. Anyway, we sat down for 20 minutes and kind of did the interview, which was fine. And, and you know, he's kind of asked me what I want to do. And, and I was like, I'm just not sure. I just want to get into film and TV production. I'm not sure where I, my skills would be suited, whatever. And after interviewing me at the end of it, he just said, you're a producer. He's like, that's what you're going to do. You're going to come in here and you're going to be a producer. And I'm like, okay, sure. I'm a producer. Sounds good. And I, that's what I did for 15 years. I worked in production, right? It was kind of the skill set I, I developed in college. And then I went into, you know, having that skill set, I got into the film industry and TV industry in production. And I spent 15 years doing it, nine years freelancing, working, going from show to show and country to country. And then last six years, seven years, I've worked in the studio in the corporate environment. All been great. I've learned so much, had such a wonderful experience. And I just um, feel so lucky to have done all of it especially the work i've done and the people i've worked with and the places i've worked um but uh one thing that was forgotten in all of that is the animation side of it mm. and i'm kind of in this moment now where um there's, there's kind of a dual thing going on one is that i'm realizing okay i've had 15 years of doing this work and i've it's been great but also it's exhausting i get it and it's uh, somewhat thankless and it's also often working for people or companies maybe that aren't great people and aren't great companies and again it kind of it's for me it's weighing up do I want to put my energy and my resources into that which I don't agree with that which I don't necessarily want to support and enable um, and on the other on the flip side the creative work the creative side of my personality and, and writing and drawing and whatever all these different photography and all these things I love like I am makes me so happy I could sit all day and work on those things and I would never get bored and it would always inspire me always excite me everything so I'm in this kind of transition period where I want to move away from that lifestyle and move into a lifestyle where I can be more creative and the ideal version of that is that I can take my creative work to a level at which I can make money off it right that's the dream that's the ideal and Similar to you, like I want to write. Like, that's the big thing for me, and and I'm developing. I have several things I want to develop. There's a couple that I'm actually developing just because of time. One in particular, which is my baby, which I've just sent you a draft of the scripts, the pilot, uh, a second draft of that, which I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Um, but that's the ideal. That's what I'm trying to kind of move towards is being creative as a profession, 
In the meantime, though, uh, that series I am developing, the main one, is an animated series, an adult animated series. And as I already said, animation interested me when I was a kid, but I very quickly forgot about it when I delved into the film and television. Mm -hmm. So I'm at this moment now where I'm taking a step back from all of that and thinking, okay, what makes me happy? What interests me? And what do I want to do in the future? And with all of that in mind, um, as much as I want to do the creative stuff, which I, I want to, at this point, I'm trying to find the next role. I'm trying to find one where it's a bit more of a balance where I can have the time to be creative and really not lose that ability because it, I've realized it's fundamental to my happiness and joy and to evolve that stuff. And at the same time, I also want to learn about animation and the process of animation, because whilst the steps are similar, there's also very, very different and the acumen and, and the, the process, the workflow is all completely different. So what I'm looking into right now is actually getting into animation and, and whether that's long term or whether it's short term, I don't know. But I want to produce this show like and I want to understand all the things that I need to understand or not even necessarily will need to understand, but that will be helpful to understand to produce the show in the long term and also inspire me and bolster me and meet people in that community and kind of like get input from people who I don't have input from right now and build those relationships. So that's that's where I'm leaning my energy is into the animation side of things. I'm hoping to find a production role but also one that leans into mm. the creative side of it as well and where I can collaborate more with the creative team and learn that side at the same time as learning the workflow and process from the production side. So that's my ambition right now. You know, we'll see how that goes over the next couple of months. Um, but that's, that, that's where my thought process has led me. That's great. Have you seen Intergalactic? No. It's on Netflix, written no. by Kid Cudi. It's an animated film. Features Kid Cudi and um, Jessica Williams. Ty Dolla okay. Sign is in it as well. Timothy A. Chalamet is in it. Um, and I feel like there's a murder. Nope. Those are all the main people. It is visually stunning. That story is beautiful. It's an animated show or movie, sorry. I've never experienced before. It's the kind I could see in an IMAX. I want to watch it again. Uh, so that is awesome that you want to get into animation. So I highly suggest that you watch that for some inspiration. What are some uh, animated films or shows that you like or that you want to model this uh, after? It's well, I would say modeling it after. I actually, I've struggled a bit with that in the sense that there isn't really there is really anything out there like the kind of thing I want to do. It's actually it's a it's a comic an adult animated comedy, but it's it's also very dramatic. Like it's a real uh, like it, it, it could be a TV show if it wasn't an animation, but like it couldn't be because of the context of the show. But like the, the what the story I'm trying to tell could very much be a dramatic premise with a lot of comedy involved in it. So I'm really trying to find that. And there's not many adult animated shows that are drama and comedy kind of balances. It's, it's really straight up comedy for the most part, which so I'm kind of trying to it's kind of going against that grain a bit. Um, 2D animation is is what interests me um, particularly. Uh, but as far as inspiration, I mean, even like back in the day, um, shows like The Simpsons and King of the Hill and and those kind of classics were always great. And even things like I don't know kids shows like Doug and and so forth. And um, but more of the adult stuff now, like Rick and Morty, is is just a phenomenal show. Um, uh, 3D animation. One of the shows, one of the movies or the series of movies I actually love, and and my partner kind of pointed out that I laugh more at these movies that are more like more 
kid-like at these movies than I do at most other things is the Minion series, so Despicable Me mm, series. How funny. Those, those, those Minions get me rolling, I tell you. They are funny. <laughs> That's your so, weakness, the um, Minions. That is so funny. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's just, you know what it is, and I think uh, I've kind of realized this, it's just the purity of those characters. They're just, mm-hmm. they're just so, uh, they, they have no reservations. It's just this, like, it's this usefulness, and I guess it kind of, as uh, always, I've liked about animation is kind of that, that when we grow up, yes. we lose being a kid very quickly. Yes. Like, and I think that's going back to kind of something we said earlier, we talked about is kids these days are older much sooner. Right. Mm. They, they, there's so much access to information and experience and knowledge like they just they grow up much faster, which is a real shame. And I think one of the dangers of that, again, this is me thinking out loud, as you know, but philosophically is one of the dangers of kids growing up is that maybe our, our imaginations over time as we evolve are going to dwindle or become more restrictive because we lose that kid like imagination. And I'd, I'd love to get, I'm, I'm really trying to get a bit of that back, right? Trying to get more into that mentality. So I think that's why shows like that um, appeal to me because it, it just feels that raw imagination, that raw kind of, you know, life before responsibility, which was a wonderful time for everyone, I think, really, or, you know, for the most part, with exceptions. What you hope to accomplish with this animated um, uh, project is is something that Kid Cudi did accomplish. So I'm very excited for you to watch it. And it's spelled Enter Galactic, not N-I-N. So it's E-N-T-E-R. And then another animated one that I want to suggest to you that is completely dramatic, though, but I love it. And uh, it, it is very dear to my heart is a French animated film called Triplets of Belleville. Um, okay. And it's a silent film, actually. It's silent, animated silent. Um, mm-hmm. I think it bears more on the comedy side, but it is very dark. Uh, the only time actually there are words is when they're singing because the triplets are a singing group of sisters old sisters but it just oh my god it's very nostalgic for me because somebody who i lost i lost put me on to that show or to that movie um and every time i watch it i think about her but triplets of belleville and intergalactic yeah i'll watch the um intergalactic uh probably the first one of that and i'll make sure mm-hmm. i watch it before we do our white lotus series so we can maybe have a chat about it at the beginning as well yeah, it will be fun. Um, I'll tell you one anecdote before we kind of uh, we, we ran up and anything else is um, a recent experience. And it, it was something that I didn't realize uh, meant so much to me. But in, in it happening, I realized it did. And this this will sound silly because it's an inanimate object. Um, and I, I preface it by saying I'm not like a materialistic person, like things have never really interested me i'm all about experience and and so you know getting the newest thing unless it's like a a benefit to me and my life it's never Mm -hmm. really kind of been a huge influence um but when it comes to televisions um i've never in my life had a good one like i've never just you know when i was younger we just had Mm -hmm. like tvs it was nothing special and and again this isn't like i'm not i'm not telling the story as like a sob story because it isn't but this is what most people go through but um in growing up, even as an adult, like I work in film and television, right? So to have a good television is a really like obvious thing to be kind of investing yeah. money in. Yeah. But the reality is the short of it is like, if I look at the prices today, to use example, 
you know, you can buy a 55 inch television for 300 bucks, 400 bucks, right? Great. And it's amazing. And it's significantly better than the ones 15 years ago, right? It's monumental. But it's like, there's always like, that's like the, the average mid range tier, right? When to get a nice television, you kind of like a grand 1500 bucks, kind of like you're really getting up there with like the Sony's and all those kind of things. But the reality of it is, um, I've never in my life been able to justify spending that money on a television, right? There's just so many other things I need to spend money on. Or uh, this, again, it's been not being materialistic. I'm like, I can deal with it. Like, it doesn't matter. It's just a television. Like, I, I'm fine with it, right? Like, I can just accept it. And so I've never really had a nice television. And I, and I, and I couldn't, like, until I get to the point where I have an abundance of cash, which hopefully is at some point, just, just for the make it life easier. Um, I, I would, I would never have bought one. I would never have invested the money in it. But on uh, the weekend, um, I played in a golf tournament, right? I, I haven't been playing golf much these days, but I have this lovely, um, it's a company called Herc and Sinalise. Shout out to them for hosting this tournament. And they host this tournament every year. And at the end of it, they, they often give out like raffle prizes, basically. And there's some amazing stuff that they get. And I don't know how they afford it all and whatever. And they make some money for charity and stuff with all this, but it's great. Anyway, we went, we sat down at the end of the day and there was this array of like 50 prizes. And one of them was this 55 inch Sony television, like a really nice television. And I sat down and I was like, oh, I'd love that television. I'd love it. It would just be, I just, and I didn't even really think about the significance of it in that moment. I was like, I'd love mm -hmm. that. I just would really like one. Anyway, go goes and goes. And that's the last thing that's raffled off out of all these prizes. And my name hadn't been called like, it's kind of a names called out of a bucket kind of situation. And right at the end, the the guy reads out the, the 55 inch television. He comes out and he reads out another guy, guy's name. And I'm like, whatever, you know, it is what it is. Like it doesn't, I don't care. Like it would have been a bonus, but the rule at that tournament is if you're not there to collect the prize, you don't get it. The next person gets it. So the guy who won the 55 inch television wasn't there. And as soon as they said that, I just knew I just had this like, he's going to read my name. He's absolutely going to go in there and read my name. And I saw the guy and he went in this bowl of names and just for the first time, we hadn't done this the whole time. He really was digging around and like <laughs> shuffling them around and then pulled out this one. And I just said, he's going to say my name. He's going to, I was just thinking to myself and he did like right away. It was just like, wow. and it was just like a real oh my gosh. Uh, exciting moment, whatever. But then as I kind of went away from it, I'm like, <laughs> This is something I've, and, I, and my partner kind of did, you know, whether she uh, understood or not, it was kind of like, you know, it's just a television. And I was like, but it's not like to me, it kind yeah. of feels, it felt yeah. more than that. Like this is yeah. something I've aspired for, for my whole life. Oh my um, God. As that sounds. And so it was quite a seriously nice moment. Like it's just like a, a, a really nice Sony television. Oh and my it's lovely. God. The picture's wonderful. So it was a nice anecdote recently, which was just like the way it happened was really nice. And then as I've reflected on it, like the importance of it or significance of it to me um, is, is notable. And it's uh, and even now I'm like, I just I feel so happy that I have it like and, and not because it's a material <laughs> thing and it's like expensive. It's like it's it's a oh quality of something I do and it's important to me. So, Dude, yeah, that makes me so happy. I only busted up laughing because this is probably like the most childish I've seen you and that just <laughs> I live for the childish moments because I live in the childish moments like and <laughs> that is absolutely beautiful and I'm so happy that you got the TV and I don't think that is silly at all I think you totally manifested that and the fact that you knew he was gonna like 
pull out your name and he literally dug out for your name. That is beautiful. That needs to be, you need to write that as a short, sir. That needs to be a short, okay? And it needs to be animated. And it should be little big-headed <laughs> David as a little kid wanting this TV. Um, so I'm happy for you. That's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And now you watch Intergalactic on that new TV. Mm -hmm. I will do. Yeah, no, for sure I will do. All right, very good. So, so um, anything else you want to want to before we maybe get an apartment for E for this week? No. Um, let's do a four a four A, and then we can uh, we can get into the admin stuff. What are we doing four A? Uh, yeah, apartment four A. What are you putting in from this week? What is four A? Apartment four A, where we put all the stuff we don't like. Four E. Oh my gosh! Oh wow, my it's god! Been too long. That's my bad. Clearly, forty. Terrible. <laughs> um, hey, now we now we're affecting the neighbors. I'm sorry, neighbors. We didn't mean to do that. <laughs> what do I want to no. put in apartment four E? Let's see. Um, dang, I don't know. Do you have something in mind already? Um, I'm gonna put um, uh, just I'm gonna put uh, toxic behavior. Uh, the all all the normalcy of toxic behavior in oh. in day to day life, and they're kind of related to something, but that's uh, you know, it just it's just such um, commonplace and accepted. Wait, does that uh, is is pettiness a part of that? Is pettiness toxic behavior? I guess it depends what how it manifests itself, right? Um, there's there's many different different aspects of it, but I'm I'm kind mm. of commonly more talking about um you know professional life and whatnot and just well, again personal life as well right there's just these people in your life who just they the way they they walk through life is very disruptive and damaging to a lot of people um and and some of them realize it which is the worst which is the worst kind some of them don't and you know they you know maybe can um, and by the way, we've all experienced toxic behaviors, by the way. And I know myself over the years, I've definitely experienced or, or, or portrayed toxic behaviors. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, as we continue to work on that, but there's some people who are aware of them and, and they just still continue to perpetuate them. And because the system allows it, right. It's like, yeah. you can kind of get away with it still. Um, so especially like there's this, I had this, um, uh, yeah, like just, just the system allows for it, right. We're not taught. Like the only things we're taught, like on a professional, even the corporate environment, is things to protect you legally, right? Liability. There's no kind of oh, here's how to be a good person in in certain environments, right? Like it's just it's very very structural and very um, liability focused. I mean, I'm giving the example of a workplace, for example, now, but you know we're not really taught how to be um, with other people and and the kindness and and how to interact and being respectful and whatnot because they don't. They're not, not not a legal jeopardy for those things. Got it. So got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I still don't have anything, so this might be okay. the first time where bad. I don't put anything in there. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's that's not a bad thing. I feel that feel I feels like we're growing. You know. Is that just what kind it of is? Dealing with things. Yeah, maybe just kind of dealing with things these days. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Um, all right. Well, uh, um, uh, so we're going to come back. I think the White Lotus starts really soon. So we'll kind of be jumping on back very soon to kind of get into that. Um, I'm excited. The last season, I will say I, a bit of pride here, um, but I, I did guess what was or like who was going to die at the end of the last one I, I, pretty early on. Um, I, let's see if I can do it again now. I mean, I, I love that show. You, you messaged me recently saying you'd recently watched it just discovered it 
Um, it was a big hit in the pandemic and it's just so well done and so on the nose, um, scarily on the nose. And the cast were just phenomenal. The writing was phenomenal. I'm very, very excited for season two. Me too. And Jennifer is back yeah. in, which makes sense for her character anyway. So it does. Yeah, it really yeah. does. And and we and with her her new husband who she met right. on the last <laughs> last go around, which which will add to the fun yeah. a whole lot more. Um, but she we, she she actually won an Emmy, didn't she, this I year? Oh, she um, did. Uh, go yeah. for all the yeah. Jennifers. I'm here for all the Jennifers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but she killed it. She was amazing in that she show. Did. Her, she was. Um, She's a real legend of of comedy. She is. Um, she is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it maybe so, maybe her best work actually. If I think, I mean, that I've seen at least um, her mm. in that role. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Probably. All right. So we'll be back very soon. Um, I always thank you, Jen. As always, this has been a nice nice shooting the ish. Thank um, you. And I look forward to to getting into to the White Lotus. Same here.